Hey, everybody, this is Mark Levine, and you're listening to the NYC Real Estate Podcast. I am one of the owners of EBMG, which is a a New York City-based property management firm, and we manage uh, about close to 200 buildings at this point. Uh, Today, we've got a great uh, guest on the show, Ashley Sweet from IES Mock. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. We're winding down. I think you're probably going to be the last podcast of the year. So you got the distinction of, you know, ending 2020 on the right note. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know if that's like a good or a bad thing, but hopefully it's totally positive. I'm actually on vacation this week. So, you know, this is like a nice time. Actually, you've saved me because today I was using my time to go through my bed bugs filing because in New York City, you have to, for all um, registered buildings in the city, you have to once a year do like a bed bug filing in December. And we have about 200 of those that we have to do. And it's simple. It doesn't really take too much time, but it's just, it's one of those monotonous tasks that I do every year. I don't have a staff member do it. It's kind of like my end of year, just, it's like folding laundry. You know, it's a, it's a mundane task that you don't have to do anything for. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Um, let me just tell everybody, if you want to email the show, uh, Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's Podcast at gmail.com. If you want to call me on my office phone, which also sends it over to my cell phone, you can do it at 212-335-2723, extension 201. Again, that's 212-335-2723, extension 201. And I have a 13-year-old daughter, so she set me up on TikTok. If you want to follow me on TikTok, it's at Mark and Real Estate. Pretty easy, right? Yesterday, it was very exciting. We did, I have this, um, I've been going through like a lot of like cool gifts that I've gotten or I've given. And I got this um, ice cube maker. And it's one of those molds, like the silicon molds, but it creates clear, like completely crystal clear ice. And if you like cocktails, that like makes a huge difference. And I've always had the, I know this is not real estate related, but it's the end of the year. I'm on vacation. We might as well. Exactly. Uh, (laughs) So I did this whole TikTok video of, cause it's a three piece set and it's called on the rocks. And I'm not, this is not being promoted in any way, shape or form, not getting any, any money for this. Like literally I bought this and you can make, you, you can get the molds for spheres or you can get it for huge cubes. And it's a, it's an insulated box that you essentially fill up with water and then you put the, you put the mold in and you put it into the freezer and you take it out and you have to like melt the ice that settled on the bottom. It's a whole complicated thing. That's not really that complicated, but it's, got these huge crystal clear ice cubes that I'm just storing away for when we have a party once COVID's over, which is going to be a perfect cocktail party with those perfect cocktail, you know, cubes. Um, so my daughter, she filmed me doing that. I felt like an idiot, but <laughs> she's into it. So whatever. So that's amazing. Follow so, me. You don't have TikTok. We're going to get you on TikTok because we could, we could cross, you know, promote stuff, which would be great. Absolutely. You just convinced me. I was thinking about it. Cause like you said, you just got a, a ton of likes from it and I was like yeah. all right I mean I'll just start posting about anything random while also promoting the business and I think uh I think that's the wave of the future yeah and it's it is great because I've used um obviously we're doing the podcast I've used like YouTube and I've used um uh Instagram but I feel like if you have something to say that's interesting and you bring it to where the attention is there's a lot of people and no matter what you're into somebody's going to be into what you're into you know so you you know whatever it is that you choose to go and do a video about but 
Were you, oh, absolutely. When, I feel like I'm going off topic. I feel like people in their cars are screaming. So do you want to <laughs> <laughs> do you want to give us um, your bad? So the way that we met, we met through Marshall Fulton over at yes. Bank United uh, probably mm-hmm. about a year or two ago, right? A year ago. A year ago. Before yeah. COVID, um, we met at an event and we've um, been talking ever since and we're trying to figure out ways to work together. But I like uh, your pro there's two specific things that I wanted to talk to you about in terms of what your company does. But before that, why don't you give us an overview of your background, how you got into um, working with IES Mock, uh, what you've been focusing on and anything else you want to kind of give us? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, we did meet a year ago and you told me about this podcast and I was like, Oh, that is so great because yeah not a lot of people were doing it, um, especially in this industry. And I was like, oh, he's got something going on. And I think a year ago is when we first talked about uh, recording something together. Um, I don't think either of us would have believed like where we would be now when we finally got to sit down to record it. I I mean, we're doing this through Zoom for people that aren't seeing it. So we expected fully for you to be in my office. I have like the recording studio in my conference room. That's just not happening anymore. So. Yeah, I think we made the whole plan and we're going to make a day of it. So yeah. um, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It was like, so, oh, yeah, you come out, we'll go to lunch, like we'll kill it, we'll burn a day. But now it's yeah. just we'll burn a half hour on Zoom and you get to go back to work. So it's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> really great. Um, yeah. So I, um, I am a sales and business development expert. Uh, I've been in the commercial real estate industry for going on eight years now. Um, now, currently, my role is I'm director of national sales for IES Mock. Uh, so <clears throat> we're a technology company and we focus on energy management and indoor air quality management. Uh, so my role here is I work with owner operators all around the country. Um, I'm currently based in Chicago. I lived in New York City for 10 years before this. Um, so I still work with my clients back in New York and in yeah. Florida, like yourself. <clears throat> and then I focus on um, our big Midwest relationships. I'm a Midwestern girl at heart. Um, yeah. You and I are both Ohio State grads. So, Well, I'm not a grad. I went there for a year and then I transferred oh. out. But yeah, we were both at Ohio State. I was probably there a lot sooner than you. Like you were probably in second grade when I was there. I don't, I'm not <laughs> going to go through your, you know, your age, but I'm you feeling it in my knees now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but where did you grow up? So I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Right. Not yeah. And, um, I, I, I actually liked Ohio a lot. It was beautiful. I spent a year out, as we said, in Columbus. I have a, a bunch of friends, you know, who was like Toledo and Columbus and uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland. Like uh, being at Ohio State, you have a lot of obviously people from, um, you know, Ohio. But everybody that, that I met there was super nice. And, you know, funny enough, I, I've seen a bunch of them have moved around me where I am right now. So I just even going to target, I see like some of my fraternity brothers. It's like the weirdest thing ever. Um, but it's oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So how did you, okay. So let's get back to you. Cause I don't want to make this about <laughs> me. Yeah. I'll give you the stage. Um, so, so you're working on business development and the, yeah. two, the two products that we spoke about, as you said, were the energy management and also um, the monitoring of the air quality, right? Yes. Okay. So we're in, and bef- I'll put links to all of your contact information in the description of the video as well, um, or of the description of the podcast, so anybody can get in touch with you. And then we'll go through that at the end also. In COVID times, which we're running in now, I could see that being a big uptick for your air quality management software. Can you walk mm-hmm. us through 
what that type of software is and where it's put. Let's take it from a residential building perspective or a commercial building. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the product is called Wellstat. It's a, the indoor air quality monitoring, IAQ monitoring. And it was actually um, brought to the market. I don't, I think the year was 2017. So this is by no means a 2020, yeah. um, you know, solution. It was like our company really saw a need in the marketplace uh, because air is so important um, yeah. to people's health and well-being. And it's, there's all different kinds of studies from everywhere from Harvard um, to Columbia, everything that say, you know, your um, tenant well-being, your employee well-being is one of the most important things. And air quality is actually one of the most important uh, things that affects well-being. And then that affects all things like productivity or how much someone will pay for a condo unit, all those things, especially as healthy buildings have become more important and popular over the last five to 10 years, um, you know, indoor air quality is one of those huge factors that uh, allows an owner operator to say, hey, this is a top notch, top quality building um, because the healthiest and happiest people are going to reside in it, are, are going to live and work in it. So <clears throat> we, well, not we, um, our company, I didn't work here at the time, but uh, invented Wellstat just for that reason. Um, and then this year, of course, uh, it, it's serving a whole extra purpose, um, helping reoccupy buildings uh, with commercial tenants, helping retain uh, tenants in a building, helping lease up, um, helping sell units, uh, because you can say, hey, we're using this Wellstat product and we're proving that the air quality is premium. And here is all the value behind that. So it's been uh, been really interesting. The company um, has been growing so much. I actually came on board in the middle of the pandemic here uh, because we're you know we're just exploding right now all over the country, and a lot of that yeah. is the demand for the Wellstat. What type? So this came out before COVID, obviously, as you said. But the what are the markers that it's looking for in terms of measuring air quality? What specifically? Um, are they looking at so that you can get the report on that? And I guess my next question after that would be, I have this data. What do I do with it? Like, how do I, how do I take this information, this data? I have this concern in the common area or in the building itself, you know, maybe in the residential units, maybe in the offices. I know that this part of the um, building is not quote unquote healthy. How do I counteract that? Like, what's the process for the next steps? Yeah, absolutely. So we're tracking um, nine different compounds. So CO2, humidity, temperature, that's kind of standard, but then we're doing three different sizes of particulate matter. Right. Uh, we're also doing formaldehyde, VOCs, um, ozone. I think that was all, all nine. But um, so the whole point is, you know, most whatever sensor you're using now is probably doing your humidity, your CO2 and your temperature. And this is just getting a really granular whole picture kind of good MRI into what's going on in the air. And it's also doing it in real time. Um, so, you know, that's something that's also just completely valuable. You can just say, you know, your leasing person or your property manager at any time and say, hey, we're confident because we can see, you know, that hey, this IEQ is healthy or the air is premium or whatever right. you want to say it. And then to your point where 
you know, if you see a spike or if you see some inconsistencies, like what, you know, what's going on and um, it's can be, you know, a host of different things. Like we're providing reports and advisements and alerting when a compound is out of range, particularly outside of a certain amount of time, there actually, you know, there actually might be an issue if your formaldehyde is spiking, uh, what's, what's being used in your cleaning product or, or certain things like that. Obviously right. particulate matter, um, with, you know, what, if there's a spike in viral particles, that could be construction, but that could be something else that's unhealthy in the air. And it could mean bring in more fresh air, or it could mean you mean you need to redo something on one of your HVAC systems and things like that. Um, the other thing it's really useful in doing, and especially because of COVID, a lot of our clients are installing bipolar ionization and UV into their uh, HVAC systems. And it's, um, you know, it's supposed to be cleaning, uh, cleaning the air for lack of better word, but there isn't a great way to actually monitor, you know, what those systems are doing or if they're creating too much ozone or something like that. So it's a great kind of hand in hand platform where it's like, Hey, if you want to make this investment to do bipolar, bipolar ionization, which I can't say, um, (laughs) you know, you've got to, you want to track it pretty granularly to make sure it's doing what it should, or, you know, so, do you need it yeah. or do you not? So the buildings I would take, and there's certain restrictions now with buildings reopening gyms or reopening certain areas and amenities that they have to have filtration systems and HVAC, but taking that a step further, if we took what you said is the the UV light that's treating the air that's moving through, but we don't know what's happening to, we don't know what the outcome of that and what the other problems that are being made from that. So now your other product that the handshake is, okay, we're monitoring the ozone, we're monitoring the humidity, we're monitoring the particulate matter. And that's what the bipolar ionization, ionization. Ionization. Yeah. Either yeah, you way, got- you're from Ohio. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't trust anything you say. You know. I don't. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you say pop. I'm sorry. It's soda. Um, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay. So that's great. So the the sensor itself isn't necessarily monitoring anything from the COVID era of um, particulate matter, but it's working hand in hand with that UV sanitizing to make sure that there's no ill effects from the UV sanitizing and that your building is within the allowable limits. Does that sound like I've got a wrap on it? Yeah, you've got it. And, you know, we can't say that we're tracking COVID particles or whatever, but I, I don't know that there is anything that can do that. I think that I think of the liability and all the lawyers that need to be involved in creating something like that. I don't think anyone's done it, but we do have three different sizes of particulate matter um, that are the sizes of dangerous particles yeah. usually fall into that size range. Again, we can't say it's COVID, but right. you know, it is um, enough information, tracking enough information and in real time. So you can be confident that, Hey, this air is healthy. Nothing unhealthy is going on in, in yeah. the air. And where are we putting these monitoring devices? Are they in the hallways? Are they in the units themselves? Let's say I have a 90 unit building. Am I putting it only on the nine hallways or am I putting them in particular building, you know, particular apartments within the building? Is it strategic or is it just wherever I want to try to get that information? Yeah. So it depends on 
really what kind of goal you want to accomplish. Um, most of the clients will do um, like a full installation where they're doing at least one sensor on every floor in common areas. So you're talking about a multifamily, um, you know, in the lobby, in the common areas and, you know, one or two on every floor, depending on the infrastructure of the building. So you can get a floor by floor read and a clear picture right. and then and say in marketing, <clears throat> marketing wise, that we're monitoring the air floor by floor. We're confident. It's like, like I said, the whole MRI, the whole picture yeah. of what's going on everywhere. How's that but, spit out? Is it, is it through a database? Do I have like a dashboard online that I go to and that pulls all the information so I could see it floor by floor, sensor by sensor? Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> we have a pretty thorough dashboard where, you know, basically the first page you start and you get kind of like the floor by floor heat map, what's going on. Um, it's all color coded. So when it, you know, is a certain color, it, you know, something's out of range, then you can click right. on you know, to see certain floor and then also sensor by sensor. So it's yeah. like, you've got one on the East wing, one in the West floor seven, you can get that granular clicking by sensor because sometimes it is like there is construction going on in one area or there's formaldehyde in one area from a cleaning product or something like that. So you want to have a good idea of, uh, you know, I guess a smaller area to be like, okay, like West side seventh floor, that's where the issue is. Yeah. I know that when I have these types of systems on boilers, it's helpful because something that you don't really look for, I mean, you look for it, but you don't know about it until you know about it is something like water loss. So if I get a report that says, well, you lost 500 gallons of water and the allowable threshold is let's say 30 gallons of water a day, like that's a huge issue, but I wouldn't have known about it unless I had the software to tell me about it. So it's proactively telling me that there's a leak that's going to save me money by allowing me to fix it possibly months before it shows up as a real problem in the building because it takes time to have the negative effect. So if I have something like your dashboard where I could see, okay, there's construction in apartment 505 and now the, the fifth floor and the sixth floor are picking up this particular matter, particular mm -hmm. matter, or they're picking up something else in the air that's going to at least let me say, oh, well, we, you know, we've got to work with those contractors to get an airlock in place. You know, we've got to make sure that we do a better job taking out all of that bad air and, you know, anything that's hanging around, we need to ventilate a little bit better. But it's also going to, I guess, if the, let's say on the other side, if the humidity is up in the building, well, maybe there's some roof fans that aren't working and I have to go look. So it's like a cause and effect. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now you're giving, you're not giving me the um, the actual fix, but you're giving me the tools so that I could go down the rabbit hole of figuring out what's wrong. And I know, you know, when I was going through school and I was going, you know, in college, it was like that sick building syndrome. You don't really hear too much about it anymore. I just don't yeah. hear about it, but this is exactly what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid just stale air that's not getting recirculated and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's unhealthy air. So I think putting your product in there probably helps for that too. Um, just making sure that everything, you know, as you said, is running healthy, that we don't have anything lingering in the air that doesn't belong there. And if we do, trying to figure out, do you work with other specialists to say, okay, they have this problem, here's five things that showed up on their report. Mm -hmm. um, maybe it's outside the scope of either the management company, or maybe there, there's no vendor that we know of that could specifically help with, a, a, with one type of fix. Is that something that you could push us off to as well? Yeah, absolutely. I know that our team um, does work, our development team and our engineers do closely work with other outside 
sustainability consultants or experts in this area. And that's how we, you know, we have defined ranges that we came up with that we think are appropriate for indoor air quality. And we use like ASHRAE, uh, CDC, like all the organizations that we need to. Um, and then, um, yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think our team is really good at is uh, is the white glove service. So <clears throat> it's not only like you're talking, like you're a client, you're talking to me. Um, it's, you know, you're, you have an engineer, you have um, a developer who are all kind of assigned to you. And it's like, you will get, you see one spike in one thing, like you can call like three different people and we'll remote in and look at what's going on and, and figure out if there's actually, you need to bring in something else. Like it's a, a bigger problem, um, but we can probably tell like, we're, you know, always on call. So we'll be able to tell you right away, like right. Hey, it's a bigger issue or it's not, or this is what we think you should do. Or here's another person we recommend talking to because it's actually an, a bigger HVAC issue or something like that. Yeah. And I guess at this point you have enough data where you can see trends and you can see, you know, that certain issues with the levels lead to other issues with the levels and you can guide your mm -hmm. clients towards best practices to say, okay, if you see this, this is probable, this is maybe what you have. Take a look at this. Also look at these levels, you know, um, all the, all this information works together and it's all about just having the data and the information to make the best decisions. So I'm just, uh, that's probably the most interesting thing about growing, especially for you, probably for the past year or so is just having the ability to see all this data come in and like, what do you do with that data? You know, just how can you make it better? How can you make it better for the client? Like, that's the stuff that I look at internally too, for my company, you know, we have access to all this data now and it's just, okay, trends, it's data, it's information. How are we presenting it? How are we using it? What does it mean? You know, and that's the give and take of having the information is just trying to figure out next steps. Um, so that that's really great. And the, okay, so we've talked about that. Let's talk about your energy. Um, re, why don't I, I don't want to say it wrong. So you have a system that monitors the energy usage in the buildings, right? Yes. And what that hooks into everything from heating and electric? Absolutely, yes. So that is um, Mock Energy, um, well-known energy monitoring platform in in you know in, around the country and in the industry. We work with um, hundreds of building up buildings up and down the East Coast and hundreds throughout the, the rest of the U.S. Yeah, and yeah, it's um. Similar with the WellSat, um, actually, well, the WellSat software is is modeled off of the uh, energy software. But yeah, okay. we're monitoring electricity, um, heat, steam, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you got going on in your building, and especially too from an enterprise level. So people who are looking at a lot of buildings, our software is giving you great reporting in real time um, on a dashboard and to get a good picture on like, oh, hey, you know, um, you know, startup time is this, this time this day in, in this building and do, you know, do things like that. And then here are the dollars that you can actually right. save. Um, one thing that we're doing for our energy clients, and this is a, this is a COVID thing, but we've actually like there, there is a widget on certain, you know, clients dashboards where they, they don't, they're built, some buildings commercially aren't occupied. So we're able yeah. to show them like, every day like oh here's how much money this saved or and or here's how much money this saved and um you know do this a little bit differently with your electricity you know tomorrow things like that um and then and yeah so we're working uh a lot of our we're 
New York based company. So uh, a lot of the buildings around yeah. the city are using the mock energy software. Where does it hook into? Where's the actual component put in the building? Um, so, I mean, obviously it depends building by building, but we have meters that we will put like um, attached to your meters and then they feed back like through a bridge and then to Got the it. mock energy platform. Um, so, okay. So similar to what we saw before with trends, we'll be able to see over a year, the trend of this is how much water you're using. This is how much electricity you're using. This is how much gas or this is how much oil, you know, with the boilers going through. Um, and then we could use that so that we can make better decisions. And in New York city, especially we've got, we've done other podcasts on it, but we've got a lot of energy initiatives that are, um, being undertaken by the city now for buildings, especially that are over 25,000 square feet. So by 2050, we have to, I think 80%, we have to go down on our energy usage. Um, and there's certain benchmarks starting, I believe in 2024 that start there and then they go down. And if you're not, if you're not going down by 80%, you get flagged and you get penalized per mm -hmm. unit, you know, and it's expensive. I mean, it can be an extremely expensive um, thing to undertake. And conveniently, all of New York City owned buildings, I believe, are exempt. You know, they like to put out the rules, but they don't mm -hmm. want to put in the time and energy and effort to do it themselves, which I get. You know, they, they own a lot of buildings and they oversee a lot of buildings and they want to put it on the masses um, to make the, the shift. But at the same time, it, it's, it's a lot of work. Um, so all of this information would be available again on a dashboard and I would be able to talk with either your company or my consultants that could go through that. Is that something that for those yearly filings um, or the, I guess the every 10 year filings like the local I-87 for buildings that are over 50,000 square feet, it would probably be interesting to have that data because then the engineer who's doing the report could really extrapolate that and see how your how the building is doing, how it's breathing, how it's using its resources, how it's you know allocating all of these things, and then we, they could use that to give us the solutions to make the building operate a little bit more efficiently. And it's setting the benchmark for the year to year to year to year, so that we could see if it's sliding downwards, we could see if it's stagnant, if it's not changing. Um, I guess it's just information. All the information is better. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, data is king nowadays. And, yeah. um, you know, I think the whole with the energy monitoring, like, uh, and what you would use like a software like, like this for is just monitoring the ener energy consumption historically, this you're doing it in real time, and then building predictive models off of it. So um, an engineer or an owner or manager like kind of knows like, based on historic, like historical, like what they could actually do um, to lower energy consumption. And here's a predictive model of what, you know, what the technology thinks and is picking up on based on previous energy consumption and taking into consideration um, different times of year, seasons, you know, New York is yeah. a different time and all the time. And then, uh, then you can have like a year's worth of real-time data and, to make better decisions that are ultimately gonna save energy. Do you like, is this interesting to you? Do you love it? Yes, I do. I think that it is so important. Um, I, uh, I have technology sales in my background. So I, I like technology, I like software, but I've 
I've always been interested in, um, in energy consumption and making things more efficient and then tying and building health. Um, I, um, you know, I've always been someone who is very interested in health and wellness and fit well and lead and well building and all yeah. of that. And bo- like both of these products support uh, a fit well, a lead or a well building, um, uh, certification for a building. I remember when well building came out, I was doing something more in the fitness industry. And I was like, I knew that this was the wave of the future. Yeah. Uh, also, to rep Ohio, well building standard came out of the <laughs> clinic. And I was just like, I, I need to learn more about this. I need to learn how to help buildings do this. Um, and I think that looking at energy and air is so is just one of the most important ways to do that. Do you have any data on your clients now, how much more efficient on a percentage basis they've gotten year over year? Like, is there an average in the industry for you guys that you've seen analyzing the data? And there's two things that you could do. You could either get the data and do nothing with it. Right. Which makes no sense. Or you could (laughs) take the data and you could actually go and be proactive and try to get the data better next year. And I've seen a lot of buildings that do that where they just get the bells and whistles, but they don't do anything with it. You know, it's, it's not, it's not the same. So I would rather be on the other side of it where, okay, that's information in, and that's like proactive measures out, you know, how do we get it better? But what's the percentage wise roughly that you've seen buildings get better kind of year over year, if they're taking your data, if they're going and doing all the things that they need to do to make it a little bit more efficient to take care of the problems that they're seeing. So I don't think I have a general percentage. Um, I can follow up with you on that because I personally just work with so many different cities and then, yeah. New York, and then you have New York city, which I'm very privy to. And then like, that's just a whole different animal. Um, but like a good example is I have a client and since COVID, this isn't even a year over year, but like we've helped him prove like, oh, I've saved almost a million bucks because if I changed these three processes and it's since March of 2000 and whatever year 2020 so we can definitely like um produce reports and benchmark that way um but as far as like what's an average percentage our clients a mock energy client uses or saves every year uh because we work so regionally and it's all different i don't know that statistic but you know we yeah we do have all the data on like you know these are the dollars saved and this is what was done yeah but it's all about what you do with it you have to, exactly. uh, whoever uses it has to have the wherewithal to go to the next step or at least have somebody on hand that could take it and run with it because otherwise you're just looking at color codes and information but i you know i had a thought the other day i'm like all these buildings that are in the city with covid um being in the city and obviously being everywhere but with the um filtration systems of the vents in the kitchens and the vents in the bathrooms. And if the vents aren't working right, you know, everybody's worried about getting sick. Everybody's worrying about um, being without a mask. Obviously I'm always masked if I'm out, but what if you have all of these ventilation systems that aren't working properly, you're just having all of this air sitting. And if somebody is sick, is it staying in the building? Is it going out of the building? Is, you know, are, are we just transferring it from unit to unit? So I think that's the next push that we're going to see is the, all that ventilation just to make sure that it's all working properly, that it's cleaned out. Cause there, there's companies out there that will clean all of the vents 
Uh, it's very infrequently done. Like it's, it's not something that's on the tip of any board or for me for boards or for, for building clients, but they're not actively thinking, oh, let's clean up events every three years. You know, it's not something that's been done in the past 20 years that I've plus years that I've been doing this. But I think that's going to be the next step is making sure that all these filtration systems beyond just the HVAC system, because now we're talking about venting out of the building mm-hmm. um, for a healthy building versus the sick building where everybody, you know, when as soon as you leave the office, you feel fine. You know, but when you're working, you feel like you have a cold or you feel like, you know, you're, you're smelling mold and all of those negative effects, but it'll be interesting next year in 2021, once um, we get out of 2020, thankfully, what the next series of steps will be Um, between New York city's guidelines and personal preference, you know, what makes sense to keep these buildings running healthily. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like. Two, you know, uh, talking about the cleaning and things like that, but it's also just like, what do you need to do and what don't you need to do? And being more informed with better software, better data is just only going to help you make better decisions or not on like what kind of infrastructure needs to be replaced or what should you implement in this building? And actually what's also going to stick around because there's trends and, um, God, you know, God forbid, I don't want any of my clients panic buying a new system when they don't need it or, yeah. or they know that they need it. And then they need even to spend even more dollars. So it comes down to exactly what you said. It's having this information, but also making decisions and using it in the ways where it's, you know, like where, you know, to make and inform your decision. This will probably also be the downfall of companies that can't, uh, you always have the companies that can't react and move on and adapt. So I think because New York city, I, the one problem that I've always found with real estate in New York is that they're always almost 20 to 30 years behind the other rest of the world. (laughs) <laughs> so this is like a really, really important time. And w- what you do with this time, I feel like is going to be whether you go out of business or you succeed because not every company is willing to go outside of their comfort zone and adapt to, te- to this technology. This is now, or especially, you know, we're doing every meeting, we're doing this on Zoom. I'm doing every meeting on Zoom now. Like that yeah. was unheard of a year ago for my yeah. industry. I don't know if it's going to go back, but for those companies that don't adapt to this type of lifestyle, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be closed shop because this is really important. And using all this data, using all this technology that we have in our hands, people are now going to search out the companies that can provide that because now that's an added value that we now don't have. There's an expectation that whoever I hire or whoever's watching my store needs to be on top of all this. In terms of pricing, are you guys doing a subscription-based model or is it a yearly fee? What's And who owns the meters that you put in? Is that still owned by you? Does the building own that? Because one, let's say we, we end the contract. Let's say it's a year contract. Do we own the meters? They just stay there and wait to be hooked up again? Or is that something that is proprietary to you? You own it and then you take it out once the contract's over. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, first, I want to add to like... Um, what you were saying about being, you know, a little behind, I think, um, you know, it's exciting, especially in the last few years, what's been happening in the technology industry within real estate, but I think it was a slow 
catch on. Yeah. But in particularly in New York City, you're right. It's like who's going to be more innovative? Who's going to adapt? Like we, one of our big clients, big New York City landlord, they're using the WellSet data in their app to show that, you know, people in their buildings, like, Hey, this is like IQ, um, looking good and things like that. And we're seeing um, more and more clients kind of right. adapt to that and take that on. But those are the very forward thinking ones. Yeah. Um, like do you are, have an API that I could take if I had it in a building that I could take that and either put it on my website or I could put it on my, you said an app. So I'm imagining that's available. Um, but I, I could work with you guys from a programming perspective to put that wherever I needed to. So that boards, let's say could have a, a dashboard for it, if, you know, mm-hmm. that's just a view only, or the, or as you said, the, the residents, if there's an app for it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm glad we're bringing this up. This is definitely something that we wanted to make available it for use in those ways. So we've, we've done that for, um, you know, for our big New York city clients. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the, like I said, they're doing some innovative things with it. Um, you know, using it in an app, I think is huge. And uh, I think there's going to be even some more creative things that start happening in the next year as people are trying to, you know, just yeah. figure out more solutions to, um, you know, to, to problems like this. So swing it back to the question about whose equipment is it? And how do we, oh, yeah. <laughs> do I get to keep it? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Just for my friends, I'll let you. Um, <laughs> no. So it, it is a, like a, a subscription model and that's because it, you want to subscribe to the software. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, the WellStat, it's like, you know, however many sensors you need in a building and then it is a yearly subscription model um, to have access to the software and the data and um, get all of the, the service, the over the air calibration of the sensors and all of that kind of stuff. So you, engineering teams aren't walking around and, and uh, making sure the sensors are working or calibrating them, which can actually uh, take forever. So we, we find that most clients prefer to go the subscription way. Yeah. Would you prefer the, do you, do you want to own the sensors? No. (laughs) Once we're done, we're done. There's no need for it. It's a, it's a brick once I can't have access to the software. Yeah. Yeah. I was just, I was just curious if we, if we buy it up front or if you just install it and that's part of the, like you could take that sensor and put it on another building once you get that client. Like it's not, it's not only needing to be on my building. So once that contract or subscription model is up, you as a company could take it and implant it onto another building as long as that technology is still relevant. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, That's your your recapture is your hardware, your software. We're just getting access to it for the subscription, which is totally fine. That's how things work these days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we're, we're flexible, but it, it is mo- most clients want to do it that way anyways. Um, what was I going to say? So what's the website where people could see the actual product? So the, uh, you can find, you can just search Wellstat anywhere. Um, we have a LinkedIn page. Uh, the website is wellstat.io, W-E-L-L-S-T-A-T dot <laughs> I-O. Um, and then ISMOC. Yeah, the website is ismock.com. Okay. And as I said, I'm going to put your LinkedIn information and I'll put your contact information in the description of, if we put this on YouTube, uh, definitely on the podcast, if we're definitely going to put it on there, I'm on the wellstat.io website. 
Um, so I could check that out as well. Actually, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Marshall Fulton and that's how we met um, yeah. about a year ago. He just emailed me this morning asking <laughs> if he could come on to the podcast probably the second week of January. So he'll be on then. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, one day we'll have to do a reunion. Uh, I know. I Julie knows with us too. <laughs> one day. And I feel like <laughs> June of next year, we'll all be able to be in the same room. We'll still be wearing masks, but at least we could, you know, all be traveling and all be together, which would be fun. Yeah. Masks, definitely. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again and uh, yeah, hopefully same. sooner than later. And I appreciate you coming on. It's been excellent having you. I like the product. I'm trying to figure out a way to get it into more of our buildings because just as you have what I said before with management companies where you have a lot of um, catching up with the times. I find the same thing with my clients. It depends on the clients. There are some that are very tech forward and there are some that, you know, if you could give them paper for everything, they'd be so happy. You know, it's so, you have to just, that's part of the problem too. We, we just have to get everybody moving forward um, and just seeing the, the benefit of it. But I think the real true benefit is for, for me, from my perspective as a, you know, manager of residential buildings is going to be those buildings that are over 25,000 square feet. It's mm -hmm. those that I have to watch the energy and it's not enough to do the every year um, what's called either local law, local law 133 or local law 84, depending on your size, you know, it's the energy um, usage, but real time consumption, super important. That would be Absolutely. great. We'll figure it out. We'll get, we'll get you somewhere. We'll get, I want to test pilot this. I want to see how it works and I want to see my big thing is, okay, I have it. I have this data. How do I, get it better. That's, that's where I want to see what I can do with it. Um, so yeah. that'll be interesting if we could work together to get to that point where then I can be like, okay, this one pilot building worked out this way. Then I could bring it to the other buildings and say, mm -hmm. okay, this is what we saw. This is our, now we, now we have context on it. Now we have historical data. We've got a savings of let's say 10%. I'm just throwing out a number. Let's say we've mm -hmm. got a, a saving of 10% because we did X, Y, and Z after we saw that this data came back as this. Maybe there's a payback period. Maybe it's right away you're seeing that savings in the first year or two. But if as long as you're paying for it yourself, which it sounds like you will, as long as you do the right things and it's up to mm -hmm. you as the client, you know, that's the the way to push that towards um, new clients. You know, it's just the offset you're going to be spending the same money or less because you can make it better. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's something that we do, like we can absolutely do um, with you. If you want to kind of, we'll work with you to create like your own little case study and seeing, uh, you know, just to show the actual possibilities of what, you know, what could be for your clients yeah. by using this technology. Uh, we do that all the time. So we can absolutely talk about that. Awesome. Yeah. We'll do that off podcast when nobody's bored. Um, so Ashley, sweet. Thank you so much for coming on. It's been awesome. And since this is the last one of the year, I want to wish you a happy new year. Thank you. Happy new year. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad we got to do this. Um, yeah, hopefully this was closing out 2020 on a positive note, uh, whatever that means. So I yeah, really appreciate it. This is perfect. And um, I'm, as I said, Ashley, I'm going to put all of your information in the um, description. So if anybody's made it this far, all you have to do is go to the description of the podcast and you'll be able to click open, click open links to get to Ashley's information. Um, so thanks. And we'll talk next year. Sounds great. Thanks so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.